when you see someone sipping on a crisp, refreshing drink from McDonald's, you may suddenly crave one too. <laughs> and that's normal. It's more than a drink. It's a McDonald's drink. All your ice-cold go-to drinks are here whenever that mood hits. From classic Coca-Cola to a sparkling Sprite to a sweet, sweet tea. Get any size for just $1.39, only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. You are listening to the Sideline Sauce Podcast, Episode 45, Girls Got Game. In this episode of the podcast, I am joined by four amazing women in sports. First up, I chat with reporter Chrissy Freud about the LSU Tigers and her new favorite quarterback, Mississippi State's KJ Costello. Later, I check in with three good friends and Marshall Sports Broadcasting Journalism students, Taylor Huddleston, Alex Warrington, and Savannah Matney, about their industry hopes and dreams. We also talk a little thundering herd football. This is an entire episode dedicated to supporting women in sports, so buckle up. But first, some housekeeping stuff. Hey guys, Emily Van Buskirk here. Welcome to the Sideline Sass Podcast, a proud member of the Brawl Podcast Network. If this is your first time listening, I'm glad you found me. The Sideline Sass Podcast is generally produced every two weeks just for you, and the show notes can be found on the episode page at Spreaker.com. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts, and feel free to rate and review. Let your girl know how she's doing. If you feel like getting social as well as sassy, make sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Sideline Sass with three S's. Or if you're more like my mom and prefer a wholesome connection, go ahead and like the show on Facebook. If you like what you hear and you want to see more, check out the website www.sidelinesass.com with three S's for more sports content. Feel free to follow the sass on my personal account at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M, on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you didn't catch all that, no worries. All of those links and handles can be found in the show notes. And I'm excited to announce the addition of Sideline Sass merchandise to the brand. If you want your very own Sideline Sass dad hat, head over to the Brawl Network website and get your very own. But uh, for now, let's uh, go talk to some people. podcast fans. I am joined this episode by a familiar face, someone that we've had on the podcast before. She is Chrissy Freud. She covers the LSU Tigers and the Tennessee Titans for USA Today, and she writes about the Bengals and quarterbacks for Pro Football Network. Plus, she's just all-around knowledgeable gal. So welcome to the podcast, Chrissy. Welcome back. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Of course. You are my go-to. And now that you're starting a podcast, you're going to, when we're going to talk about that, but you'll understand it's like booking guests every couple weeks. It's a lot, you know, and you want to have interesting people that are relevant, whatever, but you are always my go-to because I know that when we come on here, we're going to be talking ball, like seriously talking college football. And that makes my heart just happy. Me too. And you are at, okay, so I, as my fans know, and my listeners know, I was at the Pittsburgh game and Pittsburgh-Louisville, not great. Not a great game, very boring, back and forth, defensively more of a game 
than the offense, which is surprising considering Louisville put up so many yards on Miami the previous week, but whatever. Uh, Pittsburgh wins it by three. Great. We can all move on. But your game, you were at the LSU-Mississippi State game, something that you had been previewing you know, all week, doing great stories. Tell me, what was it like to be at, L- at SEC football? It was weird. It was eerie. <laughs> I want to say that I was happy to be back because I was, but it, it simply, it, it wasn't the same. Aww. It's not the same energy. It's not the same vibe. Um, I will say that the fans, mm-hmm. they bring the same type of energy that they always do. And in certain parts, it seemed almost as loud as it typically is, which is kind of weird to convey whenever you're at 25% capacity. Yeah. But I mean, the whole the whole thing, the entrance to the stadium, the mm-hmm. protocols you go through, it was very confusing. And that there were definitely um, some some kinks along the way, <laughs> I think, that hadn't been worked out. And I kind of fell victim to that. And I was told to go the wrong place about three different times. So um, <laughs> that's always fun. People had really, really grinded my gears by the time that I got to the, to the press box. It was nobody's fault. It was just a bunch of confusion but um yeah I mean it felt it felt good to be back it's really hard to cover things remotely and to really get into it it kind of just oh I, I guess it falls flat yeah I can say that in a way it just it does like it's not it's not it's the fun. same it's it's yeah there's a lot more energy there's you're a lot more locked in whenever you're at the press conference whenever you're able to be on the field whenever you're able to go into the post-game presser yeah and it's not fun being on a zoom press conference when there's a bunch of echoes and then <laughs> nothing compares to going down on the field for those final minutes of the game it's just it's it's my it's my favorite thing and the fact that we can't do that for god knows how long is just really sad but I yeah. mean I guess overall it was it was good to be back it was different I'm still adjusting but I'm looking forward to continue to cover for the rest of the season were you guys able to go on the field before the game or was there no field access at all there was no sideline there access whatsoever okay. and it was outlined on the credential too so yeah that's pretty much what I'm you know the only time I've managed to get down the field this season was at Marshall I, I would I did some video stuff with their guy and, and I was lucky enough to set foot on the field but all of the other games like you said have been from the press box and it's just a different it's an adjustment because usually you go down there you get to get the feel of the game you get to watch the guys warming up and it kind of gives you gets you into game mode it's a lot harder to get in game mode in the press box wouldn't you say yeah and then <laughs> just uh, one of the perks of being there one of the reasons why I used to travel commute between Baton Rouge and Nashville mm-hmm. for about a year straight was because there's a lot of insight there's a lot of things and feeling and mm-hmm. atmosphere details that you can add to your story that you get whenever you're able to be on the field whenever the stadium's at full capacity just things that you yeah. don't get and in a way like all that you really get from being there at this point is I guess like the bird's eye view yeah um, seeing things in real time as opposed to a slight lag on the tv but I mean, other than that, it's it's almost virtually the same as yeah. not being there. But you got you got a bird's eye view of Mike Leach's air raid offense. So welcome to the club. We have you know obviously us in the Pac-12 have been enjoying this you know airing it out offense for a while, and we got to see Mike Leach and KJ Costello, a fellow also Pac-12er from Stanford, just go ham on LSU. And obviously you, and I don't know if people know this, but you did correctly predict this. So props for that. Thank you. <laughs> um, but what were, you know, what was it like watching the air raid in an SEC setting? You know, something that you don't see every day and watching Costello break these records live. 
Well, a lot of people ahead of the season were saying things to me like, oh, the air raid in the SEC, that's not going to work. <laughs> but I spent time uh, talking to Mike earlier in the offseason. This was about Anthony Gordon because I covered another one of his quarterbacks. Right. Um, I also spoke with a coach in the XFL that had done the air raid at a previous point, And I was just really impressed with the scheme just overall. I thought I'd be something that would be exciting to watch, something that could really be potentially very successful, very dangerous if it did work out here. And obviously it is so far. Mm-hmm. I think the, the biggest question of it all is a matter of LSU. They have a young secondary. You lose Derek Sigley Jr. They all got torched. <laughs> yeah. A very, uh, very experienced uh, pocket passer and KJ Costello. And I was just very impressed with some of the dimes that he dropped. Just that, that ball placement is some of the best that I've seen in a long time. Uh, very, very accurate, very poised, very good uh, pocket presence. Something that Miles Brennan does not have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only real thing that I can knock him for as of game one, I gave him a grade of B whenever I graded his performance okay. is his decision-making gets a little bit concerning mm-hmm. under pressure. Mm-hmm. I, LSU did bring the heat and there were some turnovers in there. There's mm-hmm. So I, I think that he could do a little bit better of a job under pressure. Yeah. But in general, I was very impressed with him. I give him the, uh, the end of my rankings that will publish either tonight or tomorrow morning. I did grade him as the uh, best quarterback in the conference as of week one. Wow, that's very high praise for <laughs> for little Kev there. And I got to tell you, it's fun to watch. And we were just talking about this in our little pre-interview. We're talking about David Shaw and Stanford fans having to watch it. I think uh, Pat Forty tweeted something about it where he was like, oh, this must be so hard for Stanford fans to watch. And I was like, listen friend. It's not. As someone who comes from a Stanford family, we're happy for KJ. How could you not be happy for somebody to set records like that, right? Like you can't hold any bitterness over it. It's completely David Shaw decided to go with Davis Mills and they basically told KJ prior to this offseason that he was not going to be the starting quarterback and that he needed to look elsewhere. So that being said, that set in motion this transition for him and now he's found a great home and a coach that appreciates him and lets him be him but yes I think you're right it's going to be quicker uh SEC football is SEC football and LSU is generally physically tough team he's definitely not used to that so I think it'll just take time for him to adjust to the quickness that he's going to see in this league yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how he will go up against a more stout defense. Mm-hmm. I don't think that LSU is necessarily 100% off their game mm-hmm. on, on defense. I, I think I think they did a very good job of pressuring the quarterback. I think Jacoby Stevens was definitely the star of the defense uh, that day. Yeah, um, I think that the, the secondary could have been better, but they weren't totally awful. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> That's nice so of I, you. That's I, very generous I, of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little bit generous, I'll be honest. Um, but I, I think that I think that he will definitely face some more uh, put together defensive line, some more complete healthy secondaries uh, down the road. And I think it's something he's going to have to adjust to. And I think that that's something that's going to really show us just how good he is, how mm-hmm. well he can thrive in the in the face of really stout competition. It should, it should be interesting to definitely watch him develop, and I'm very excited for people to... What did you think of Mike? I mean, you've spoken to Leach Pryor, like you said, but what did you think of his press conference, his comments? I mean, it's is it's entertaining, is it not? It is. That guy is so funny. It's so fun to have someone that you can kind of break away from 
the robotics, yeah. the same general jargon that they use every single week. They all have their little phrases, little yeah. things that they come back to. But he doesn't really seem to have that quite as much. I think my favorite part was whenever he was talking about how he was like, well, thank goodness there's social distancing here because let me tell you guys, it was really, really hot down there and I've been sweating up a storm all game long. So no one has to suffer that. And I was like, goodness gracious. He's, but the, yeah. just some of the things that he, he says are so funny. It's so witty and he gave some like he like compared the uh, paper cutouts of the fans in the stands to the twilight zone or something mm-hmm. it's just every and then go, even going back to the um more just like football related quotes about anthony gordon every <laughs> single answer and every single aspect he gives is absolute gold whether it's just something that makes you laugh something that's super interesting or just like real football knowledge in a way that maybe you didn't think of before yeah. uh, one of my favorite things that he talked about with quarterbacks was something that I've seen happen in, in these competitions that they have in the off season where guys will just go back and forth and back and forth between who they want to be their starter. Yeah. And he, he told me, he was like, well, whenever you can't just go with a guy and you keep trying to give them all like equal opportunity, keep changing your mind. In the end, you make everyone mediocre. Oh, and I thought about that. I was okay. like, that's really so true. Like it's, it really is better to just take a bet on one guy and give him as many reps as possible, give him a chance to prove himself. And then if you're like midway or so, maybe a little earlier through the season and he's just doing a terrible job, no matter what adjustments you make, then it's time to let him go. That's interesting. I I mean, obviously, logically, that makes sense. But I don't know that people think about it that way, right? Like, yeah, you feel like competition is healthy to some degree when you're trying to get the best out of people. But quarterback quarterback like special teams like kicking is such a mentally it's such a mental position and that kind of messing with your head stuff does matter I guess like that's crazy I never thought of that but that makes sense yeah speaking of kickers (laughs) with limited capacity I've been thinking about somebody needs to ask a kicker (laughs) have things gotten easier because the the pressure is not bearing down on you as much because I remember I was doing a one-on-one with Cole Tracy Mm -hmm. um, who kicked a game-winning field goal against Auburn a couple years ago yeah and um, I was with the game we were talking about specifically that week was Florida and he was telling about how he could hear all the awful things that these kids in the student section were screaming on top of just the general loudness of that stadium there in Gainesville um, and about how he had to like block that out. How mm-hmm. his mom had asked him about something regarding it, something along those lines. Can't remember the specific details, but it's funny because none of that really exists to the same degree anymore this year. Yeah. And it's different everywhere because obviously like you're talking about LSU where you guys had 25%. I was at Pittsburgh where they had no fans and and that's yeah. Heinz field. It's a huge stadium to have zero fan and they, they filter in the crowd noise and they do the music. So it, it has that noise there, but there's no distractions, like you're saying. And I'm actually going to speak with their kicker, Alex Kessman. He went 0-4 in, in the first two games. I mean, he missed multiple field goals. It was awful. And then finally, he has a perfect game against Louisville, and everybody was asking him, what'd you do different? You know, how, how did you get this big transition? And one of the things he talked about, which I know you'll appreciate, is he met with the sports psychologist who he had worked with over the years and hadn't seen this season yet and talked it out, you know, and paying that attention to your mental health. I feel like not enough guys talk about how important that is, you know, and we just saw that in in the NFL with, uh, I think it was Dak Prescott, right, was talking about that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I just, I, it made me feel 
so proud of this kid for admitting that he needed to talk to somebody, but that's what it took to get him out of that. But I think that's a good question. And I will ask him when I talk to him, you know, is it weird to, I would think it might be weirder to not have anybody there, right? Like that would almost be more daunting than having crazy fans. Yeah. And in a way I, I almost, I can almost compare that to like whenever you're standing in an empty room trying to record a broadcast with a camera <laughs> and no one in there. Like I was at the news station, not horribly long ago, sometime this year. Yeah. It's almost like weirder yeah. doing that than whatever. Like there's like directors and people like standing in there with you. So yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I think that could have an effect. Yeah. That's a good question. I'll definitely have to have to check in with that. So you mentioned this quarterback list, and I got to know, as as someone who's now becoming a quarterback fan because of you, because of all the, <laughs> the hard work you do, I'm just, I'm following along, I'm learning more, but I have my little quarterback guys that I follow, like uh, Asher O'Hara at Middle Tennessee, who, it's been a rough year for him, but he's one of my little faves, and then the Marshall quarterback, Grant Wells, who's young, but really fun to watch. Who else is on your list of guys that you're impressed by or that you're excited to watch this season? Well, obviously, KJ is the one yeah. that I'm pushing the hardest. I think that anyone who follows me or knows of me in media whatsoever is probably about sick and tired of hearing about <laughs> it at this point. Um, I think Kyle Kyle Trask was the guy mm-hmm. that a lot of people gave the keys to the number one spot um, in, in the quarterback rankings. Yeah. And I think that it's – I think it's very close. I mean, I think that him and KJ will kind of go at it throughout the – Throughout the year, I thought that Kyle Trask had a pretty impressive showing in week one as well. Kyle, um, I got to say, I and I got to say, I don't watch a lot of quarterbacks, but Kyle, watching him play, and I was like, why is Florida ranked so high? Why are they ranked better than Georgia? I didn't realize they were this good, <laughs> even though their, buddy, their SID is like a good buddy of mine. He'd been telling me. I didn't believe it. But Kyle Trask looks like a quarterback. He looks like a comfortable <laughs> like NFL guy in that pocket. I, I think that's where I lose it with KJ's KJ's a little more like gangly and awkward and like, you know, no, like kind of like a too. kid, but Kyle looks like a grown man there. Right. Or am I, is that just me? Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's why so many people are so confident at putting them at their number one. Yeah. Whereas I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, Trey Lance plays one game this year. I saw some, I okay. think it was, it was Jim from the senior bowl. I think yeah. there was somebody that had tweeted something about how, like, no one was televising it or, like, wasn't Oh, yes. Really that was Jim. Along those lines. But yeah. I think that's an absolute shame. And I sure hope that it's uh, videoed well somewhere and that yeah. plenty of coaches take a look at it because I think that that's uh, really a guy to watch over there at North Dakota State. Yeah. Um, I love North Dakota State. They get not enough love. That's a good call. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, the it's it's been – it's been weird with all the, like the shutdowns yeah. and stuff. And if, if all goes well uh, with the big 10 with Penn state, Sean Clifford was one that I named that could okay. potentially take a Joe Burrow type of leap this year. So I'm curious to see if he does that. But I mean, those are mainly the ones I have my eyes on. I, I think that Mac Jones is so far, uh, at least at this point early on the season has done a good job mm-hmm. uh, taking on, taking over for two over there in Alabama. Yeah. I think that I think people, nobody's really concerned about, Alabama yeah. and them transitioning and everything, but there was kind of the concern of how average is Mac Jones going to be. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, th- I think he put on a pretty good performance. It'll be interesting to see how he evolves throughout the rest of the season. What about, what are your thoughts on Matt Corral? I don't even... Under Lane Kiffin. Honestly, <laughs> I liked John Rice Plumley okay. more just in general because of his running ability. I I, I, I didn't see a, a lot from his passing ability. Yeah to really make a, a good prediction on him, but he ran all over 
LSU last year. And yeah. I think that if they were able to employ him in some type of a more of a quarterback run first offense, kind of like we've seen from Mississippi State historically, right. uh, they could they could really tear it up that way. But no, I think that I think that Matt's done a pretty good job as well. He'll be relatively high on the list in the rankings. He was one of my favorites last year. I don't like I don't think people remember this, but do you remember when Cal beat them last year, like week three? It was a pretty big deal, and it pretty much led to the demise of, you know, Matt Luke and the whole staff. But when he – before that game – and this is a crazy story. So before that game, he said a comment about how, like, in the media prior, like, building up to the game that week, he said that California, like, the weather – it, it would make them soft because they wouldn't know what it's like to play in humidity and heat like in the South, which in a normal, in a normal comment, that would make sense. But the way he said it, he was talking major shit. Right. And then, <laughs> yeah. And it was very clear in the way he said it, that he was be calling them soft. And then Jordan Rogers said it on SEC network or wherever he said it. He then anteed up and doubled down and said, this is true. California boys are soft because they don't know how to play in like adversity and in heat and weather. So I was told by the Cal athletic director that that quote was up on the Cal locker room board all week. And they were, oh yeah, they were livid. So after the win, you remember Evan Weaver, good old Evan Weaver. Mm -hmm. He, he basically called Matt Kroll out and said that he was like a little bitch and they handed it to him. And who's the weak one now? (laughs) I was like, that level of petty is aspirational. I love it. (laughs) So that's how I remember Matt. That's how I remember him now. And that will forever be how I remember him. So. Yeah, that's like uh, giving a pretty hard hit to Joe Burrow, like a yeah. one, almost. It's like you just stoke the fire, you make it worse on yourself. In that's a way. true. Nobody talks shit like Joe Burrow, though. I like he would talk he shit, and you would still love him. Way. Yeah, yeah, he was so lovable. You never like wanted to punch him. You're just like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just like every every once in a while, he make a little comment that would almost kind of crawl under your skin a little bit and it's like mm, I don't know I think he has the ability he has the ability to just kind of do that to people and he knows exactly what he's doing yes like, he's, he's like, very he's smart like snarky yeah. snarky without being like overly just arrogant blah 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 this is who I am you know yeah like we've seen from some people that I won't name <laughs> there are plenty of them there are plenty oh, yeah. of them <laughs> Well, okay, so you're going to cover LSU as we move through the season. Why don't you, I mean, I know in this offseason you've been, there's been, it's been hard to get content out there with COVID, but you came up with some ideas and you've been putting together some stuff. So why don't you tell the listeners about, you know, what you're doing now with this quarterback show and the podcast and everything that's going on? Yeah, so I have been wanting to launch my own quarterback segment for over a year now. (laughs) There was always a question of how exactly I was going to do that, if I was going to run it through a network, where I was going to post it. And so basically, there is a high school that I help out with their like video mm-hmm. operation stuff for broadcast, and they let me use their studio. I just have a very, very nicely set up studio with a green screen and yeah. LED lights and a camera and teleprompter and all that. So that's what I used. And what I'm doing, at least for now, I'm sure I'll kind of move off the platform after the season is over and in the open date and all that. Yeah. But I'm basically taking um, the, the quarterback of the opposing team, LSU's facing, and doing a complete breakdown of them like I did with 
uh, KJ last week. That was the first episode. It's called Under Pressure with Chrissy Floyd. Very cute. Tackling all the hard questions. <laughs> Very cute. Um, Under pressure. <laughs> and then what is going to be less cute and a little bit different <laughs> is the podcast that we're doing. I don't know. I guess you could call it cute. It's a little bit of... It's, I, I don't it's know. sassy. It's, it's, yeah. It's... it's own spin it's kind of one of those things where you're going to let your hair down a little bit more I don't think that it's going to necessarily be for everyone's ears because sometimes we keep it PG and then sometimes <laughs> we don't right but, you tell it like it is I, I respect yeah, that we're gonna we're gonna talk about sports we're gonna talk about life and just kind of see where um where it takes us it's we're calling out kicking our coverage we're hoping to get the first episode um published i want to say by the end of this week okay we've been, we just i mean whenever you have a co-host like everybody is busy and they have their schedule conflicts yeah. and you know like mental breakdowns things like that, that happen in life we've been struggling lately i cannot lie I'm, yeah. I'm a pretty transparent person and things have been a little bit rough for me things have been a little bit rough for her lately yeah but uh we're working we're working on putting it together establishing a little bit more of a focus and we already have the notes we we recorded it once but we just had this issue that we kept talking over each other and it was it was funny but uh <laughs> but we're I mean we have that one if we want to run it we're just calling it on it right now so yeah we'll see what happens with that moving forward that's exciting so it's called out kicking your coverage our coverage our out kicked our coverage by finding each other on social media <laughs> love that it works. okay so a sideline sass listeners definitely check that out out kicking our coverage it's going to be fun. It's going to be different. You know, I I highly recommend if you're looking for good stories, if you're looking for interesting, different, unique conversation, it's going to be fun. Um, but she's right. If you have a delicate sensitivity to things, then it's not for you, probably. <laughs> if no, you get upset no, about things. Not. That, that was kind of, I mean, and that was kind of the, the point of it. It's so interesting because I'm a, I'm a very professional person, yes. pretty established, I like to think anyway, <laughs> and then she puts a, she has her own personality and she puts a more of a fun spin on it yeah. that I don't necessarily provide or can't provide to that extent because of, you know, like my job title right. and everything. So it's like, we're very similar people on a personal level, right. but as far as like our parts in the show, it's very yin and yang, and I think that there are people that will be able to appreciate it, and it gives me an opportunity, like I said, to to let my hair down a little bit and to not be, because I feel like I published thousands of articles and I put up so many broadcasts and everything is to a T, very buttoned down, very professional. And that's all good and fun. But I think it's good to let people see kind of more of your personality and to let things flow personally, because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all talk a certain way behind closed doors. And I just think it's funny. (laughs) No, it's definitely, we need more voices like that for sure. And speaking of women and voices and all that, Good stuff. You recently wrote a story about, you know, women dealing with harassment in the sports industry. And I wanted to to give that a little bit of attention on this episode and and shout it out. Definitely people need to look that story up. But I wanted to hear, you know, what it was like going through that process and writing that and, and publishing that piece. It was tough. I mean, it's something that's very personal to me now that it's happened to me. It's happened to me in a lot of more subtle ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because most of the time your harassment's not going to come from players. It's going to come from fellow journalists and from people that will kind of make little, just these very little comments that are innocent, but not so innocent to right. you in the press box, stuff like that. And then obviously I got harassed online this summer. Yes. And a lot of people looked into that story whenever I started tweeting about it you know I just tweeted about it because I didn't want to hear about it anymore about right. this. I think it was like an 11 page by at the time of its uh 
all the yeah, comments. That I am happy. I think that it died and went to hell, and I hope that it it's burning. Oh, but anyway, um, wow. Yeah, I think it, I think it was to at least eleven pages, and it was all very, very detailed, very disgusting, uh, very. This is what I would change about her. This is what I would do to her. Very uncomfortable things that make you really think about, really, really think about yourself, uh, kind yeah. of in depth in a way that you really shouldn't be. But yeah, so it, it prompted me to get the stories from other women, and some of them I, I would say are even worse than mine. Yeah, and I'm happy that it was brought to light, and I'm happy that more people are looking into it and that people seem to be taking it seriously and it seems to be resonating. The only thing that's kind of upsetting is that the internet moves fast. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that would get mad about stuff, but for, I mean, how much can you do as far as policy change goes? How much, right. how much can you do there as far as the law goes? And then there are people, certain people in this industry that are sometimes in positions that you have to go through that are very yeah. sexist and they just won't pull the plug on them and it, it won't change. And I think that there needs to be more exposing of those people. I think that there needs to be uh, more policy, just more action behind the, the words and emotion that people put on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is an industry where you have to hold other people accountable and people have to hold themselves accountable. And that's why, you know, I always get asked, how, what is it like to be a woman in this industry? And, and I talk about the women that I've met, you know, yourself and my my girlfriends here in the Bay Area and across the country. And having women like this in our corners is important. But what's even more important is having like good men in our corners, like having guys that are willing to say no to that stuff and to stand up for it when they see it. I mean, that's that I think is the real key. And I God bless those men that we have that do sit in our okay. corner, you know, <laughs> And I mean, you notice uh, that's one thing that I, that I noticed that kind of, I didn't expect to stick out to me, but everyone who did not, I'm not saying you have to enter, you're obligated to interact with the suite, but I noticed the people who consistently weren't saying anything when all this was going on and it's continuing to go on. And all the people that didn't have anything to say to me, didn't have anything to say to anybody else that was going through it. I noticed those people and whether or not they're making any outward statement, it, makes me form an opinion of them. It right. makes you kind of wary of them. Like, why are you so quiet? Right. Right. Not wanting to say one thing or the other, but I do feel like it got such a good reaction and there were so many people talking about it and just having that be something that's talked about and known. I don't think people really understood how bad it was until all of these things started happening and people were coming forward with their stories. And I just, I think it's important to say how brave these women are and how brave you are to tell the story. And, and honestly, as someone who has dealt with a lot of it and, and to very to various degrees, like I'm thankful for it. So I want to say like, thank you for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. The other thing that I wanted to touch on that mm -hmm. um, was not necessarily as covered in the story is I feel like in sports, women are almost not supposed to have personalities. <laughs> oh, you went to the beach. Don't post it. Oh, you think right. this, don't post it. Oh, you want to put something about relationships and dating in your podcast. That's also about sports. Oh my God, there's going to be people that freak out. Yeah, there are. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's ridiculous. And you, you, there's a lot of men on the radio. I think there's a lot of sports radio shows with men that get credentialed to everything and they'll talk about some kind of touchy subjects right. or just like random things that are not necessarily PG and no one really breathes a word about it. And that's fine. I think that's fine. I think that's all fine and dandy. It's funny. But I feel like whenever women do it, yeah. whenever women have the thought of doing it, there's a thought that pops into your head. Like whenever I'm creating this podcast, whenever I'm doing this, it's like, if I let loose a little bit, am I going to be judged to the point right. that people, it's going to like 
come back on my reputation at all. Yeah. I'm going to be people who look down on me for that, for literally being a human being like everyone else. Yeah, I know. And, and it's, it's unfortunate that we have to look at it that way as women in sports, but hopefully as we move this conversation forward, that changes and we are accepted for who we are. You know, some of us are a little crazy. Some of us like to be on dating sites. That's yes. just what it is. <laughs> Sorry to shock the world, but you know, we do things. Yeah, we're people too. Yeah, we're, we're we... normal human beings that have normal everyday aspects yep. of our lives. But for whatever reason, there is just kind of this, this silent, like unspoken thing of you shouldn't talk about that. You yeah. should keep it to yourself. No, we're not. We're changing that for sure and starting with, with this conversation and moving forward. So it's, it's good. Everything that, that, that's happening like this is good. And I'm excited to hear your podcast. I'm very excited to hear Bree's stories because I'm sure she's got a lot of them. <laughs> I love her to death. She's so funny. She's so entertaining. I wish, and that's the thing too, is I wish that I could be that bold. I wish that I could say some of the things that she does, but there's always the fear of you know, if, if I, if I do, or if yeah. I overshare or something that someone's going to look at me and go, Oh, she might've written all these great articles. She might've worked at this many quarterbacks. She might've done this, this, and this, but because she said one thing about her personal life, that's on a podcast. She's far away. You yeah, know? I know it's, it's honestly, it's about a balance and we're all, we're all just working towards finding it. So I, I think that's the best advice I ever got is like, you just got to find your lane and, and get in it and just drive in it and not worry about what other people are thinking about it. You know, take advice yeah. when people give it to you. Cause it's, especially if they're like older and they've been through it, but ultimately Jessica always tells me like, you got to be yourself. You got to be your own version of who you are, not a version of everybody else. So we're out here making those moves, you know? <laughs> I'm excited. But thank you so much for coming on, for for talking. This is 30 minutes and it went by so fast. I like I know. I, <laughs> we could just do it a whole 30 minutes. I know it was. I love I love always learning more about quarterbacks from you and talking college football and then, you know, talking about our life too. Next time yeah. we'll have to catch up about about how the dating stuff's going because I'm sure we both have some good stories. So, oh yeah, always 100%. <laughs> well, I will be checking. <laughs> we'll be checking back in again. Thank you again for coming on. Mm-hmm. And let's um, stay tuned, listeners. We're gonna have more college football coming up next. Do you want to tell people what they can stay? Stay fast. <laughs> there you go. You heard it from her. <laughs> That was the lovely Chrissy Freud giving her breakdown from the LSU-Mississippi State game. And I got to say, as a girl that goes to LSU, I was a little shocked that she picked the Bulldogs in the upset, but she was right. And it's fun for me because she's a huge KJ Costello fan. So I got to link those two up so she can keep her Mississippi State quarterback streak alive. She's previously interviewed, you know, Tommy Stevens, uh, Nick Fitzgerald, and so she's She's got a streak going there, but uh, always good hearing from Chrissy. Excited to check out the new podcast and her show. Make sure you guys listen to that and check out her show on YouTube. Just search Chrissy Freud. All right. I'm going to transition now into a few more of my favorite football ladies. First up, I've got Taylor Huddleston, Marshall broadcast journalism student, sports editor of the Parthenon, and she works in the Marshall Athletics Department, learning from some of the best SIDs in the country. Taylor, welcome to the Sideline SAS podcast. 
Hey, thanks for having me on here. I'm excited to be on. Of course. And I got to ask the first question. Is there anything you don't do? Is there something that you, I mean, your, your <laughs> list of all these things is, as a student is incredible. I mean, when I was in college, I barely knew how to get to my English classes, let alone edit for a newspaper and, you know, do all the things that you do. So how, how did you get into all these different areas? And do you think that's important, learning all these different things as you move forward towards your career? When I got to Marshall, I, my main goal was to get involved. And okay. if I, I knew if I needed to be involved, I needed to get myself out there, you know, and show the Marshall community and, you know, anybody who participates in Marshall athletics or anything, you know, I just want to be able to, like, make myself known and make myself acquainted with others. And, okay. and so everybody knows gets to know who I am. That's smart. Making a name for yourself early. I, I appreciate that. I mean, honestly, that's kind of how we met is you guys, there's not a lot of, uh, just for my listeners and sidelines has faithful. I met Taylor along with two of um, her friends who are going to be on the show in a little bit on this episode. I met them because honestly, there's not many females in the press box, right? Like anytime you go into a press box, it's the, the female ratio is very low. And so when you see other girls in there, at least for me, I'm inclined to always come up, introduce myself, meet them, because those are the people you want to band together with. And, and you know, you already have that kindred spirit and you want to see who they are and what they're about. And obviously you guys were so nice to me to take me in as this like wayward traveler just coming through. So that was the first thing I noticed about you guys. Um, but what is it like to work and I guess this is going to be a weird question, but do you have a favorite part of what you do? Like, I mean, the editing for the newspaper, the writing, you know, doing the SID stuff. Is there one thing that you like more than another or do you like them all? Well, I like everything, but I think my favorite part is actually um, making and forming a bond with the student athletes that okay. I cover. Yeah. And like being able to tell their story and, you know, share everything about them, like in positive ways. I think that's probably my favorite thing about all of this. And I'm honestly a little jealous of that because the, I agree with you as, as a storyteller myself. That's one of my favorite things is getting to know these kids and telling their stories. And every time I leave a school that I cover, I feel like these are my sons, you know, and, and I'm very protective right. of them. And I feel that way about a lot of Marshall players. Um, but I'm very envious of the fact that you get to spend so much time around them and you get to learn who they really are. Has there been one story about one particular athlete, could be football or not, that has stood out to you in the past couple years or one that you really enjoyed telling? Actually, yeah. So last season, Marshall men's soccer made a run. Uh-huh. In the, they won the conference, 2019 Conference USA soccer tournament. Wait, North wait, North wait. Virginia. I think I got to interrupt you because was that going on when I came out last year to the game? I feel like we were watching that on the yes, TV. we were watching it in the press That's box, right. Like okay. The, the semifinals. And then yeah. the next day, I was like, well, I'm going to go to Virginia and cover <laughs> the championship game. Nice. But... They had a goalkeeper, his name was Paulo Pita, mm-hmm. and I ended up writing a feature story on how he transitioned from coming from Brazil to the United States for soccer, okay. and he originally was at a junior college type deal in Florida at one point, and oh, wow. okay. he ended up at the University of Charleston. Okay. And that was a Division two school. So the head coach, Chris Grassy, used to be the head coach or one of the coaches at the University of Charleston. And then he transitioned to Marshall University, and he actually helped recruit oh. Paulo to okay. Marshall. And so he finished his last two seasons at Marshall University. And so I tied in how, you know, he transitioned from, you know, 
Brazil to a Division yeah. One school in the United States and how he's a father and oh. he's balanced being a student athlete and a father. So that honestly is probably one of the best stories I feel like I've written. That's very interesting. And, huh. and like along the way, I've made connections with like him and other student athletes that I've gained a lot of friendships and stuff from that. I remember you guys talking a lot about men's soccer. I know that you and, and Sav and, and Alex are close with that team. And it does sound like a special program um, and a special run that they've had. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're one of my favorite groups of student athletes to work with. I truly There we go. That's that's good to hear because you usually only hear about the, the power three, football, baseball, basketball. So it's nice to hear that there's fun programs outside of that. I enjoy that. Right. All right. Well, let's let, now speaking of how I was just giving that praise, we got to switch to football because that's the, that's the moneymaker. It is what it is. But Marshall football having an incredible season thus far. I was in the house to witness the App State win, which was awesome and kind of catapulted them onto the national stage, getting ranked. And now today right. I see that Marshall football leads the nation and I think points allowed is what it was or something like that. Yeah, sco- it was 3.5 yeah. points per game. Yeah, that's incredible. Like and other big schools, yeah. That's really cool. But there's got to be a little bit of a sour point that as soon as these other conferences are considered, you know, they say they're going to play and now they can be in the rankings, but yet they haven't barely played any games, that Marshall kind of <laughs> gets the boot here out of the top 25 how upset are Marshall people about this? Well, I know for sure that there's a lot of Marshall fans that don't understand, mm-hmm. and they're not satisfied with it, but right. they feel <laughs> yes. like after they go out and they'll play Western Kentucky next weekend, they feel like if they just continue to win, mm-hmm. they're going to be back in the rankings because a lot of people like myself, I don't, I fully don't understand why teams like from the Big Twelve and the or the Big Ten and the Pac Twelve. Pac Twelve, yeah, go ahead. Hey, yep, <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> they're receiving votes and they haven't played. They haven't played a game. Yep. I, I don't understand the logic behind that, but you know, it's it'll be all right. When it'll be that much sweeter <laughs> when you guys win games and move up. It'll, right. It honestly will mean more because you have. I mean, you've always faced adversity as a small school conference USA, never getting the love that it deserves. And right. that's why I like covering these kinds of kids, you know, guys like Grant Wells, Brendan Knox, Devontae Beckett, guys that have had to go through so much, whether they're JUCO products or just having to deal with small ball school, it means more watching them succeed, you know, and you want to root for guys like it that. Does. So Right. And they're very humble. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they take it with a grain of salt that they're not in the top 25. When we interview them weekly, um, some media ask them about how they feel and they're like, you know... We just got to pr- keep proving ourselves and mm-hmm. we'll just keep working. And that's what, exactly what they've been doing. You know, this is their third bye week and the second one in a row. Yeah, so. I know. And that's tough. Is there? Can you give us any insight into how the guys are staying sharp despite not having any games, you know, to play until next weekend? Well, I know that the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. Tim Cranzi, and the defensive coordinator, Brad Lambert, they've really been focusing on keeping the focus, which... They both said it's difficult to keep the guys focused when you don't have a game. But they just have to keep reminding them that, hey, we've got a big rival game coming up. And their ultimate goal is to win the conference title. They haven't won it since 2014. And 
where they were ranked, it like gave them a sense of, oh, we haven't been ranked since 2014, <laughs> yeah. and that's when we won the conference title. It seems okay. like history tends to repeat itself. I like that. Some parallels between <laughs> that year. Well, Matt Beardall and Ryan B., who were on the last episode, former Marshall players, they said they think it's going to be Marshall and Louisiana Tech in that championship game. Do you foresee you know, Marshall getting into that into that game and beyond? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I personally think they can go all the way. <laughs> if they, you know, if they can uh, keep their focus and work and put in every effort they have, I think they can go farther than a lot of people think. That's Especially awesome. Especially with this season means more than a lot of others because it's the 50th anniversary of the, yes, of the plane crash. Plane crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they really just want to continue to keep Marshall like on the national stage and let Marshall be shown for what the school truly means to them and to the community of Huntington and the state of West Virginia. Yeah, it's an incredible, honestly, guys, all my listeners, if you haven't tuned into Marshall football, you should. If you haven't read about the plane crash and what this means to this community, you absolutely should. I did a story on it last year, and I'm going to be out there again doing one this year and try and take in a little more because it's an incredible, incredible story and the entire community bands around um, this team and, and remembering the souls that were lost during that plane crash. So definitely check that out. All right, Taylor, I got to let you go. But I wanted to ask you last question, you know, having been where you are, just getting started in this crazy industry, do you have, you know, any goals or plans for yourself? What are you hoping to accomplish and do? If, if tomorrow someone would hand you your dream job, you know, what would that look like? Personally, I would love to work for an athletic team, whether mm-hmm. it be in professional level or collegiate level. I would love to work in like digital media content or be a sports writer or sports reporter. <laughs> I'm open to all things. The way that I came into sports was actually from an eighth grade career fair. Oh. So a news reporter came in to my eighth grade class and... I immediately just was immersed into news, Mm -hmm. but then as I grew up, my father and I, we watched ESPN, all this morning sports shows together, and Mm -hmm. um, that's how, like, I grouped myself into sports, and I've, like, watched, like, Maria Taylor, Aaron Andrews, Mm -hmm. um, all those girls, and I just aspired to be one of them and, you know, to make a difference with women in sports. Well, you're doing an incredible job. It's smart to have all these different facets of your talent you know on point because you never know where you're going to be thrown in and i'm excited to watch and see where you go and just be part of your process so thank you for coming on thank you for having me of course we will check back in and i will be out there in west virginia for more shenanigans soon so everybody stay tuned we got some more marshall football girls up on deck we'll be right back Very talented, very awesome women and woman in sports. I always say the plural because I feel like we're all in this together, but th- this is a woman singular. Her name is Alexandra Warrington. She is another sports broadcast journalism major at Marshall. She works with the Herd Vision, which is the videography for the sports there at Marshall University, specifically with soccer, which I'm very interested to hear about because we talk so much football and so much basketball and baseball, but I love getting to touch on these other sports in college. She's also the video editor for Sky Blue FC. So welcome to the podcast, Alexandra. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to 
chatting with you today. I know. I wish I was back in West Virginia and we were able to do this in person. I miss it so much already, but at least we get to, to catch up via podcast. So I'm going to jump right in and say you guys missed out on some football. You didn't get to play this past weekend, so that must have been weird, but it probably gave you a chance to kind of see what else is going on in the sports world. So what was it like having this bye week and how is everything going on there at Marshall moving forward, getting ready for this big rivalry? I think having that off week was really, I think it's it's beneficial because mm-hmm. the last time Marshall had an off week, you know, we, we hosted App State and <laughs> we're able to capitalize on that. True. And, you know, and, and get a get a ranking in the top 25, which was, which was huge. So yeah. I think for them, it's, it's definitely beneficial to the team to be able to have a second bye week and a third this upcoming weekend, of course. Yeah. And be able to rest, regroup, focus on what's, at he- what's ahead because we have that, again, like you said, Western Kentucky is a big one. Yeah. It's a big rivalry game. You know what's funny, Taylor said, speaking of patterns, we were talking about, okay, this is the first time that, you know, Marshall's been ranked, I think, since 2014, correct? Or they were ranked since 2014. So, and that was this last year that they went on and, did they win a conference championship or they at least went to the conference championship game, I believe? Your guess is as good as mine. I'm not 100% sure. That's fair. All right. Don't quote me there. No, you're fine. People can go back and listen. Um, Taylor, she said it. She was like, that was the last year that they kind of made a run, right? So we're seeing a lot of football trends this year that mimic that past year, 2014. How are people around the Marshall football program, fans and people that work there, feeling about this season? Is it like a good feeling that we may see, you know, some some conference title in the future here for Marshall football? I think the feeling, especially with fans, is that I think they're really expecting something wonderful and magical out of of Marshall. Yeah. And to the point where whenever you would go to a game last year, everyone, you know, you'd have the whole fans in the stands, but they'd be gone by halftime. Oh, no. (laughs) even, which is really sad. Yeah, it is sad. Even with limited fans, if you look back at App State, people yeah. really didn't leave. Yeah. The student section, the amount that they could have there, they stayed mm-hmm. because it was such a good game. So I think that the fans and everybody just in general are just really excited. And this is the this is the fiftieth anniversary year, so that probably also lends. Uh, we talked about that a little in the last segment. Fiftieth anniversary of the Marshall plane crash. So this is a very special year, just in that regard too. Right. That's, right, and it's. Yeah. I think they're trying to make a name for themselves mm-hmm. and trying to, and this is me just kind of going off of what I've been seeing, they're trying to prove that almost don't sleep on Marshall. <laughs> and I think they're doing it for a greater cause, which is, which are the 75. Yeah, the 75 game, very, very, very special game. I was able to attend last year, but I'm, I'm looking forward to coming this year for the 50th. Now, we talk about Marshall football being ranked, and they made it into the top 25, was huge. And then a bunch of the other conferences decided they're coming back to play, and they've yet to play a game, but somehow several of them end up in the top 25 pushing Marshall out, despite Marshall getting 31 votes this last go-around. How frustrating is that for the program to know how good they are and to have performed on the field but get ousted by these teams that haven't even stepped foot on a football field yet? It's completely frustrating. <laughs> being, being, don't get me wrong, I, I'm very excited for you know Big Ten, Pac-12, very yeah. excited that they decided to follow in everyone else's footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, 
they haven't done anything. Yeah. They're just starting their practices back up. Marshall's been working day in and day out. Yeah. And no COVID test. They're doing, they're staying safe. They're being smart. Yeah. And I, I think that the program, it's very frustrating being 25, in, in my opinion. I, feel, mm-hmm. I felt they should have been a little higher. Yeah. Having beat a top 25 team when they were unranked. So losing that, that spot was a, incredibly frustrating to the university and the team yeah hopefully they can bounce back up in there with the solid win over western kentucky we shall wait with bated breath now we talk about you doing a lot of soccer stuff i love that having played soccer and we bonded over this when we were talking you know having played soccer our our whole lives and now you get to work with not only collegiate level but professional level what is that like getting to shoot for that and and how much fun do you have with those people so professionally was really kind of just I took a shot in the dark a couple of, back in I think 2017 it was just a hobby I lost a bet with some friends I said fine I'll, I'll apply and I, I got the job <laughs> and I moved to Kansas City that summer and oh my goodness I have not looked back ever since how and fun is Kansas City by the way it is so fun <laughs> I, I am so obsessed with Kansas City yeah. that I tell everybody I'm gonna go back there I'm gonna move back there I don't know what I'm doing well, luckily they have a lot of teams. They got the Royals, they got, you know, the Chiefs. You have a lot of opportunity there. That's true. A lot of big teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it's definitely really cool. And I think back then I was I was terrified because these were players that I had looked up to. Right. Especially at the women's professional level. Yeah. And I was just completely terrified. And then I went to the Washington Spirit, my hometown team of D.C. for two mm-hmm. years. Got very comfortable. And now I'm with... Sky Blue, which is the New York, New Jersey team. Right. And that's been very different because I'm not their videographer, I'm their editor. Okay. Because I can't I can't go in person. Right. So COVID switched me to being an editor and having to create work that someone else has filmed. Yeah. Which has been a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> to put nicely. It's yeah. been a challenge. But I think it's made me more creative. Yeah. Um, but it's been really cool because I've I've gotten to meet a lot of amazing players, like a lot of big name players on the U.S. national team mm-hmm. as well for the women's side. But I, I have, I look up to so many of these people still, and they're only a couple of years older than me. But <laughs> their, their leadership roles are just so important to women's soccer and all the stuff that they want to do. Yeah. And even when I started working for Marshall Women's Soccer, I was introduced, and they found out who I worked for, and they're like, "Oh my God, that's so cool!" And, <laughs> It's just yeah. one of those fun little, oh, by the way, yeah. things. It's a nice thing to drop in there. I yeah. think the coolest thing is getting to see all these women's leagues, particularly, like you said, you know, the women's soccer and then the WNBA. I feel like they do cutting edge digital media from social to video to photos. 100%. And yeah, it's not hyped up as much because it's, you know, it's not the NBA, it's not MLS, but there's some very cutting edge stuff going on in these professional women's sports and you get to be a part of that. How awesome is it to see, to be able to push creativity like that? Honestly, it's, I, I can't even explain it because <laughs> the amount of just the connections that in the women's soccer world alone mm-hmm. that I have, like if I, I have so many connections throughout all these different teams. And if I have a question, I can call my friend who works for the North Carolina team, Yeah, call him and he can help me with an after effects project. I call my friend who was with Houston Dash, she's now with Austin yeah. FC, the MLS team, call her to get help on something. And that's awesome. being a part of something bigger. I always wanted to, you know, I played soccer. I was not right. the best at I was not the best. I knew it. <laughs> and I knew that I was going to get in there somehow and just work. But I wanted to make and create something that was bigger than me mm-hmm. and help broadcast, not broadcast, but 
market these women, right. essentially, because no one was doing it. Right. And with Sky Blue, we they had no no video staff. They still don't. And it's strictly internship-based yeah. until they find the funding for it. And we actually, uh, my, my boss, Nicole, uh, my supervisor, she's like the digital marketing coordinator. Right. Her and I set up a four-series teaser of our of the jerseys Ooh. over the summer okay. and it was only supposed to be one and we turned it into four that's awesome and because of that we had an influx of followers okay and just because they were so so like oh my gosh what are they doing yeah and we turned that into let's push merchandise and we sold over thirty thousand dollars of merchandise oh my because, goodness because of those four videos that's awesome i mean that's good content drives productivity I mean people want to see good stuff it doesn't matter if it's competitive eating or you know whatever sport it is or anything if you are good at what you do and you put out good content people will pay attention so I think that's that's incredible that you get to be a part of that and and especially during this time when women's sports is just because it's at the forefront with all this push and this movement of supporting women in sports and and you're right there on the front lines that's awesome yeah, it's been it's definitely been exciting to be a part of. So, did we get good news today in the meeting, or what's up? Are we are we what's going on with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good to graduate in December. Yes, definitely. I will say that at 19 credits, my last semester is a little terrifying, but <laughs> you could do it. You could do it. I had to I had to get thrown into an independent study, but that'll be good. I get I get to talk about why we should add a sports videography course oh I like that kind of interesting I like that. going around and learning more about different universities that have them and create a course plan for it that, that might be kind of cool that's really cool and then you're creating you know paths for women and and men after you and that's honestly leaving an impact like that for people to be able to you know have access to these skills because nobody I'm gonna tell you 10 years ago it was probably more I'm not gonna reveal my age on on the podcast, but years ago when I was in college, we didn't have these things. There was no video, like no one even knew what the word videographer was at all. So it's so incredible and impressive to me that you guys are like kind of paving the way and and blazing these trails for all this new wave digital media because really that's where it's going that's ah that's so cool it makes it's it's inspiring now it's making me like all right i need to take a videographer course i'm never probably going to use it but hey the skills are there you'd be surprised the amount of people that say that they would never use it i helped taylor work on a video Mm -hmm. she just wanted to film something and she was like i don't like i don't i don't like this and she, she was complaining about how shaky the video was. Oh, boy, yeah. I went in there, I helped her do this video, and she was like, oh, my God. And this whole intro, I give her I give her crap for it because she doesn't give me credit when she posts it. <laughs> but I'm like, excuse me, I edited that. Yeah, there you go. Well, I, I'm going to have a proposition for you. I know Joey Chestnut has been looking for someone to teach him basic video editing so that he can edit some of his videos that he does for his YouTube and I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna connect you guys because I feel like if anyone could teach him, it's you. I would love to, <laughs> would love to. You know, it's super exciting that it's Joey Chestnut. Well, yes, of course. It, yeah, it'll be less exciting. It'll be less exciting when you have to deal with him. But um, <laughs> it'll, so, no, he, it's, it's one of the things that everybody comes to me and they're like, you know, where can I go to learn how to edit video? Where can I go just to do basic stuff? And they're really, people who have those skills, it's so valuable. So, um, you know, I think it's great that you want to pass that forward. Um, it's definitely, it's, it's that time consuming. You got to put in the effort mm-hmm. and when you do and you see your final work and you're like, 
oh my god like that's good you find that right song and you're like oh, oh. <laughs> there you go there it is I've, I've, I've had that with my last, like, one of the bigger videos I did with Sky Blue over the summer. Really? And I heard the song, and I was like, oh, I'll edit to this, and then I went, oh, damn. <laughs> That's a good, good feeling when you when you hit that. Well, you talk about these professional ones you've done. Is there one project or video or something you've done for Marshall soccer, maybe specific, that sticks out in your memory as something you were extremely proud of or something that was really fun to work on? Yeah, so I actually, I did, I didn't do too much video, like, working solely with the team with her vision we work with all the other sports minus right. football ironically <laughs> um, yeah and so i i did one video with them where i went to practice every morning oh wow um for an entire week and they had early morning practices and i was like you know i'm just gonna film i'll come up with something and it was before they left for their conference tournament oh was that last season like, yeah yeah so it was yeah. last season right before they played the championship game. Right. So yeah. I pulled I pulled a bunch of footage from building up to when they won the conference mm-hmm. and then when they won the whole or when they won won regular season and then they won conference. Yeah. I made a video for that and looking at all that B roll, that's hands down one of my like I think it's in my top two favorite videos. That's awesome. It is it's so good and I'm not trying to about myself, no. <laughs> not to hype myself up, but right. it's a really good video, and I, I think the guys were really surprised to see it, Yeah, and they were like, oh my gosh, so that's one of my favorite videos was to showcase them and post that the day yeah. of them playing Charlotte in the finals and then them winning. That's got to be such a good feeling to have the players, you know, see that and feel so hyped up and then win a game. You've got to feel like you're kind of part of it in that regard, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, in that aspect, I was just so proud to be a Marshall student because they were doing so well, and I felt like they yeah. were getting the, the recognition on campus. I don't know if they're still ranked 15 in the nation, but they came into this season ranked nationally. Yeah, that's and awesome. So it's huge, and I mean, right now, being with them, I'm with them every day in yeah. the women's team. They're also appreciative of just the fact that if I take pictures or videos, and all of them, women's and men's team, are just very welcoming. That's awesome. That's great. So, all right. So you already have dipped your foot. And this is my last question. We're going to kind of wrap up here, but you've dipped your foot in, into the real world of sports. I mean, you've, you've worked with some, obviously with Marshall, but then with some professional teams, what is your, I asked Taylor the same thing. What's your ideal, if you could have, you know, the dream job or, or the next step, what, what would it be? What would that look like for, for the future? So realistic. Louisville's so awesome. I want to be a part of a team mm-hmm. and build it from the ground up. Oh, I want to showcase yeah. everything beautiful about Louisville and learn about the city as I'm as I'm going. Okay. And so I want to find the, the beauty of the city. So that's my dream is to work for them as they're as racing Louisville FC as their videographer. <laughs> it's that what? is my my dream currently. And that's okay. What I'm holding on to. Um, We're going to manifest that, I feel like. I feel good. I'm speaking it into existence. Yeah, there we go. My mom and I have been saying it because my mom's big into Florida Lees. Okay. It's on their crest. Okay. It's purple. There's a lot of signs here. Claire loves her purple. Okay. And she's like, this is it. And I'm like, this is it. You're right. I feel it. Okay. So that's more of a realistic, I'm 
hoping possibility. Okay. Dream job would be work for the U.S. Women's National Team as one of their videographers and get to travel. Yeah, well, I feel like you're setting yourself up on a good path here. And once we get past all this COVID stuff... I feel like we'll we'll get back to normal with the ability to kind of get out there and shoot things more live, you know, and that'll be nice. I can't wait. <laughs> cannot <laughs> me, wait. Me either. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I cannot wait to come out and see you guys again. I'm hopefully going to be there for the, the 50 game. And then I think I'm going to try and bring Joey out for a game and see if we can introduce him to the magic that is Marshall. The 50 would be a great game for him to come to because if you want to feel magic, you will feel this overwhelming, just overwhelming emotions that game. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's amazing. That's true. I've heard, I mean, last year was incredible. I can't even imagine, you know, this year being the, the 50th anniversary. So looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing you girls again. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll reconnect soon. Can't wait. Definitely look forward to seeing you again too. All right. Stay tuned guys. One more very knowledgeable sports, women in sports insider coming up next. Okay, guys, back again. One last interview here for the podcast, this very special podcast featuring all women in sports, journalism, broadcasting, everything you can think of to do with sports media. That is this episode. So we're shutting it down here, closing it out with another friend of mine that I've met from my journeys. She is Savannah Matney. She's a sports broadcasting student at Marshall and university communication and sports information person within the athletic department and that's actually how we kind of met is when I came out and covered football last year and look at us now welcome to the podcast Savannah thank you for having me I'm so excited (laughs) I know I'm excited that I got to have all three of you guys my three favorite ladies there at Marshall come on and and be a part of this episode and it's I love it because I get to hear your perspective on things. And it's so interesting to me because I always cover programs from the outside, right? Like I'm on the outside looking in, I'm always, you know, jumping city to city, but you guys are there all the time working with this program 24 seven. So what has that been like this year, particularly? I mean, you guys obviously have a special team and the world's gotten to see it a little bit, you know, with the app state game, but what do you think makes this team so special and what's it been like to be a part of it this year? This year, obviously, is so much different than any other year that I've been at Marshall, but I think this year's team is a lot different. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of returners from last year. Like, most of our defense came back. Yeah. We still have most of our offense. Like, Brendan Knox is still here. Love Brendan. Love Brendan Knox. He's the best. Brendan Knox is awesome. (laughs) I just, I think with Brendan Knox returning Mm -hmm. and everyone was talking about our defense because we have Tavante Beckett mm-hmm. back, we have Nazi Johnson back, yeah, and all them like a lot of people who were key staples to our defense last year and our offense. But obviously, we have a new quarterback, yep, coming in Grant Wells, who has done amazing so far, yeah. Which you know, what kind of has been the biggest bummer is because of COVID, mm-hmm. Marshall has had two weeks off, they don't yeah. play again this week, they don't play again until the 10th, so yeah. it sucks because you can't really, they haven't been able to put on a show every single week due to, you know, cancellations, games being postponed, but I think this team is really special because there's just insane amount of talent on mm-hmm. both ends, offense, defense, there's talent that I don't even think has been, like, 
fully unleashed yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rob Thompson, mm-hmm. like Corey Damage, a bunch of the younger wide receivers, they haven't even unleashed their potential yet, okay. I don't think. And I just think that this year there's a big unity mm-hmm. to the team, and I think that has a lot to do with COVID. Because yeah. Marshall's football team, they came back in like May. Oh, wow. They were doing workouts okay. all summer, testing constantly. Yeah. They have some of the most intensive ways of keeping like the facilities clean yeah. and everything. It's just been so insane to see <laughs> how much has changed since last season. But also I think that has brought this team together more than ever because they've been with each other since May. They've had to go through this whole pandemic together. Yeah. And then football camp lasted a lot longer than usual because games kept getting postponed. So they just had more practices. Yeah. And I think that definitely played a lot into how good they're doing. So Is that frustrating? Season. Do you think for them? I mean, you have this great game against App State. You debut in the top 25 we're going to get to that ranking question in a minute because I know that's a, a hot-button issue there at Marshall. But you, then you have these two weeks off. How are these guys staying focused and you know keeping their eyes on this um, Western Kentucky game that's ahead of them? They have been practicing. I'm mm-hmm. sure they've had some days off just yeah. because it's a whole two weeks without playing. And I'm sure it's frustrating because they probably just want to get out there and play yeah. But I think for them just being able to practice and just be like, okay, let's take this time, remain focused, get even more set in on what we're looking towards, which is hopefully a Conference USA championship, yep. which would be nice. So I think that's what they're like, you know what, we'll take this time, we'll be grateful. They're all so grateful that they're like even being able to play. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. it's I think they take the time that they don't have – to play during bye weeks and they're like okay let's just not dwell on the fact that we're not playing and be like oh well we should be playing today instead just next game next yeah. game just look to that that's a good mentality I like that now you know speaking of this ranking I asked the other girls this too Alex and Taylor how upset are people about you know the fact that Marshall works really hard to get this ranking and they're a great team, but then all of a sudden you've got these Big Ten teams back, these Pac-12 teams back, and college football decides to let them in the rankings despite not having played a game, and then all of a sudden Marshall's bumped out from by teams that haven't even stepped foot on a field. Is that a little uh, you know chip on the shoulder for everyone over there? I <laughs> I think am. Um, extremely frustrated that, you know, we get in it for a week for the first time since 2014, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the Big Ten and Pac-12 announced that they're coming back and they're allowed to be ranked. Obviously, Big Ten teams are already in the top 25 poll. They don't take the field until, like, October 24th. I think Pac-12 is not until November 7th, which is insane. (laughs) It's so unfair to me that these teams that haven't even taken a snap are allowed to be ranked over teams that, like, because, like, Louisiana Mm -hmm. is 3-0 or something like that, and they got bumped out, too. I know, and And they're a good team. It's so frustrating. Yeah. They're they're a good team, too. It's so frustrating. I know. And I think I'm more frustrated than the actual players. (laughs) Obviously, they're probably upset. Yeah. But I think that their mentality is we're not going to let this get to us. We have more games to be played. We're going to come back out here. We're going to show them that, you know, we do deserve to be back in the top 25. And obviously, not having games for two weeks kind of. Yeah. It it separates them a a little. Hold on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Totally. But I think that they're more focused on just proving what kind of talent they have. Yeah, and they're trained, you know, not to dwell on rankings and what the media says. A lot of them go off social media for the season because it's just not – it does nobody any good. And really, that's fair advice in life in general. But I'm curious, since you get to work, you know, with these players closely – we had a couple guys be make national status, you know, Brendan Knox being recognized for his rushing yards and then Devontae Beckett, you know, winning honors for defensive player. Do these guys, you know, kind of revel in those accolades and get excited because they're getting this recognition? Or is it like eyes forward, like you said, just looking towards the next game, not really dwelling? They literally are so humble mm-hmm. about it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just like, if I was winning these awards, I mean, I would try to stay humble and focus on right. it, but... You'd be talking about it. I'd be talking about it. (laughs) Brendan Knox, anytime you bring it up, he's just like, there's always things I can work on to get better. Oh, my goodness. There's things I want to do to get better. (laughs) I love that. Same thing with you can ask Tavante about it. Yeah. He'll just say, I appreciate it, but there's more to be done. There's There's more more work to be done. I'm grateful for this. And that's what him and Brendan both will say. I'm grateful for this but we're not done. There's more work to be done. Yeah. And that's such a great mentality to have, especially because Tavante Beckett is a senior, so mm-hmm. he's been looked to as a leader this year yeah. among the team. So I think him having that mentality has helped a lot of the younger players realize, oh, we don't need to dwell on the accolades we get. We don't need to dwell on the rankings. We yeah. need to just keep pushing forward, keep playing as well as we can. And that's, yeah, like that's anytime you ask Brendan or Tavante about it, they're so humble. They'll just be like, I appreciate it. It's great to get recognized, but there's more to get done. That is one of the things I noticed about being around these guys is they're just good guys, you know, and, and you can't say that about every team, you know, but I did get that vibe from being at Marshall. I think that's why I keep coming back. But all right, let's switch gears really quick and talk about you and how you found your way into this crazy world of sports media. And so tell me a little bit how you found your way here, and then tell me about, you know, what your plans are when you you move forward, you know, what what you want to do in this industry. It's the weirdest thing, because (laughs) for a long time, like growing up, Mm -hmm. I've tried, I tried so many sports, but I was just not athletic, (laughs) like my family. Like I come from a family of college football players. My brother is insanely athletic, but I was just never as athletic. I got, like, all the musical talent. So, okay. like, growing up, I wanted to be, like, a singer. <laughs> For a while, I wanted to do musical theater oh, wow. in high school. But then there was just, like, one day. I remember it vividly. It was, like, right before my senior year. Mm-hmm. I was at my aunt and uncle's house. And I just remember I was watching. We were watching a game. It was a family event, and we were watching a game. And I was like, how cool would it be to be one of those girls <laughs> on the sidelines? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I've always loved football, baseball, basketball. I want to do this. Yeah. So that's when I started exploring journalism options. And how you get there. Yeah. And how to get there. And I looked at different schools, and I never wanted to go to Marshall. Interesting. Because I was like, I've lived here my entire life. I want to go somewhere else. But the more I looked into Marshall's journalism program, I saw that it's one of the best journalism programs. That's awesome. And I was like... I could just stay at home. It would be just a better option for me. Yeah. So I went to Marshall and I started working at a radio station my freshman year. Nice. Like how I got into it all. So I started working for a radio station, producing games, doing stats. And then I started doing sideline reporting for football and basketball my sophomore year to my junior year. And then that's when 
I was like, I want to do some video stuff too. So I started working with university communications last football, basketball season. Mm -hmm. And so I would do like little social media spots that we would post on Instagram Mm -hmm. or they would go on YouTube if they were over a minute. And I would just get to interview different people and stuff. That's awesome. I I was still able to work at the radio station and do like features and on different players and stuff like that. And then the more I got into it, Last year, I was like, I want to see what it's like to be on the sports information side. Yeah. So it's like when I have to do my internship, because I really got into statistics last season. Okay, like big stat and girl. All right. And I was like, which I am terrible at math. I like <laughs> loved keeping track of like stats last year for football and basketball. Okay. So I was like, I want to see what it's like to be on the sports information side, which brought me to my internship now. Uh-huh. And there's so many things that I could do. Yeah. After I graduate. I'm not even sure anymore because <laughs> I want to do sideline reporting. Like uh-huh. NBA college game day was always my dream. Oh yeah. But like doing public relations, like for a team or like a player or mm-hmm. doing social media stuff, sports information stuff has just become more fascinating to me. And I'm, there's a plethora of things that I want yeah. to do now. And that's what's so impressive about your generation is that you guys put a hand in everything and you're so hungry to learn all of these different skills. And I mean, I was just telling Alex back in my day, there was no thing called videography. I mean, that wasn't even like, no one knew what that was. You know, people didn't take courses in it. There was no, there was none of this, but I think it's so great that you guys are, you know, learning all these different skills because the reality is in this industry, if you can't do radio, TV, writing, editing, you know, all of that stuff, then you're going to get beat out by someone that can. So I think it's incredible that you guys are doing all these different things. And the great thing is you don't have to choose right now. You know, you're going to find a place that fits you, but it's like trying on a few outfits. Like it's going to take a few before you find that right place. But I am like very envious of the journey ahead of you because it's the best years. You're about to figure out what you want to do and who you are and and you're going to take this world by storm. I'm very excited to watch and guide and help in any way I can. (laughs) I'm very excited to have you help and guide in any way you can because I'm going to need it. That is what we're about, you know, is we have to build this this network of women helping each other because we're already up against it, you know. I went in a press box... Last week, I won't say the school, but I went to a press box and there was no, there was not one woman in there. Not one, not even, yeah, no right. There's very rarely any female writers, uh, I will say, but there was just like no women in there at all. And I looked around and I was like, what is going on here? This is 2020, you know? (laughs) That's been one of my favorite things. I mean, I know that the world has changed for women in the sports mm-hmm. industry, and but there's obviously still things that we have to tackle every day. But Marshall has been one of the best experience for me because there's mm-hmm. so many, they've allowed so many girls, they're so supportive, they'll help you, they want you to do well, mm-hmm. they want to help you get somewhere. And it's not like, oh, you're a girl, you don't you can't do this. They're mm-hmm. all so supportive. Everyone there has been so good. It's just the best group of people to be around That's because awesome. they want to help you. And we have four or more girls in the press box. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. It was so awesome it was to see. Really cool. Yeah, it was. And I, and I love it. I love seeing women like that, especially working on the sports information side. Cause that used to be a very male dominated thing when I first started out. And it's a little daunting as a female writer to not have any, 
you know, females present there and understanding. So it's great to see you guys doing that. I'm excited. I can't wait. I was just telling Alex, I cannot wait to come back for for the 50 game. I'm going to try and probably come back for another game. You guys can't get rid of me at this point. So I want you to come back for more than one. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, so yeah, we need to figure something out and, and I will be back there. But thank you so much for taking this time, Savannah, to talk. We will be in touch. You know, I, I got to follow Marshall and see if they actually pan out and win this championship. I think they can do it. So I'm excited to see I, if it happens. I fully think they can. I think this is going to be an exciting year. Yeah, it's definitely. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Can you tell all the listeners what they need to do, you know, after the show's over and until the next show? Do you need to stay sassy? <laughs> That's what's up. All right. We will catch you guys <laughs> next time.